just like four hour training ride training session and then like zap you know <laughs> a normal day i guess <laughs> nice four hour rides <laughs> are great what uh what kind of ride was it uh had some lactic clear events and then just some fatigued frc but coming off of two rest days back to back um it wasn't like the best idea because like it, it, it just blows you out like completely like my legs just explode <laughs> <laughs> what kind of uh lactate clearance workout were you doing uh it was three minutes 320 at just like 290 to 310 and then uh 40 seconds at 380 to 420 so below threshold over threshold cool so three minutes under and what was the over uh, 40 seconds. 40 seconds, yeah. Yeah. That's good. I just two by 12s and then it's like a fatigued effort. But, you know, just like coming off rest, it's, I don't ha- I don't handle rest really well. So I'm not the biggest fan of just like like rest weeks because I do need sometimes a lot of time to, to get back into this swing of things. Yeah. What's the... Um... Sorry, I just lost my train. Oh, what was the uh, FRC efforts at the end? It was 40 seconds max and then just like a minute and 20 seconds just like noodle around. Like even if you can't pedal, don't pedal. Then just like those 40 seconds are max. Yeah. But I had like only, I did three and then on the fourth one just like, like, explosion. (laughs) (laughs) How late in the ride did you do them? Uh, Four hours in. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> I was actually doing. Um, so I had been given out this VO two. I this group ride that we have here is very unusual in that it is super fast for like fifty minutes, where it's you know you're it's literally like an over under. The file looks like an over under. It's pretty. It's the most. I I guess controlled, but like controlled super hard that I've ever done. Where even Tom was. For those that don't know, Tom is my coach. He was like, this was a group ride? Like, this is crazy. This looks like an interval session. And anyways, um, I was thinking of some athletes that this ride starts just like, it's guns blazing in the beginning, like some really hard efforts, and then it goes into this over-under. So I was giving this VO2 max. I've been calling it a VO2 max workout, but it's really for people that are, you know, races are coming up and they might not have a ride that is like just super full throttle. And in between these efforts, I was putting like a tempo block, which definitely makes the second one harder. And so I was like, you know, it's one thing to do this when you're in a group ride. But yesterday I decided to just like try try the ride that I've been giving out as just a training ride i was like man this is really freaking hard and then <laughs> and then I, and then there was a version of it where i had three of them and i was like well i don't even know if i can do a third right now but i'm gonna add some like a uh 50 second max with 25 seconds rest then 40 seconds basically like a like a 30 15 but with different uh lanes that decrease so 50 40 30 20 10 and it wasn't at the end of the ride, but it was like two hours in. And it was pretty, it was good. It's not the best VO2 workout, but I think it is a good race pace workout. So, um, I mean, I do rate those, especially lactate clearance. I mean, I didn't do a lot of intensity in the winter. And, uh, I mean, just like the lactate clearance made like, made my legs like iron until I got sick. After I got sick, like uh, a month and a half ago, then it's like the wheels came off. Mm. I didn't know you. So, I didn't know you got sick. Just like re- regular sickness or sickness from training? No, no, no. I had I, was, I had a positive test from from oh, COVID. From COVID. From COVID. Yeah. And then just like the wheels came off. But I spoke also to a lot of like other like friends and just like uh, acquaintances I know who race and. On like my level, uh, a lot of them have problems. I mean, you, you can just like open the media. I was speaking to a lot to James Shaw from EF recently, and uh, me and him tested positive at the same time, and he's still like he lost forty watts, like from his efforts uh, 
if he compares now to before. Jeez. And it's, it's, it's insane just like how... And how long ago was that? So I tested positive it's late February. So now it's like April and it's, it's, it's a long oh, process. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean... Dude, there is... Cause... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, go on, go on. No, there was... I'm not going to say who it was because I don't want to out them. It wasn't... They didn't tell me, but I had heard through a person who's friends with this pro in the U.S. who got COVID. And I want to say it was like four months after. And he... And this was when it was... We still didn't understand. This is probably last year. I think, I want to say, going into the 2020 quote-unquote season. And he was just yeah. like... Yeah, I can ride endurance. I go to go hard. I go to do threshold or above, and I'm just totally scorched. And just, like, would get the effort up and then be done. And he's like, this is not to be messed around with. And, of course, some people don't have that issue. But that's a, that conversation that I heard was what really, like, made me try to be vigilant about not getting COVID because I didn't want to deal with that for four months. I mean, I can give you like a few examples and I know Scott is listening now who will join us. He just has trouble like joining in. I just explained to him. Uh, there was a few of my like uh, the riders I know who had the same case as me and we're all struggling. But I have another friend who races at county level. He's from Slovenia. He just had a positive test, had a sore throat. And came back, came back as normal. It's just like it depends from case to case, you know. It's it's not it's not it's not something to mess around. I mean, I used to also take it like with the left hand, you know. It's just, it's just some some cough or whatever. And then like when it hits you, like when it, it hit me on training camp, I was thinking like, what's this? Like, I mean, am I overtrained? Uh. Is it is it just general fatigue? Is it dehydration? Um. I mean, it was just like, what's happening to yeah. me? <laughs> so how do you feel? So then now, you, you, how are you feeling now? I mean, if you're doing that, I mean, I'm okay. You're doing that I'm, type of workout. Yeah, go on. To, you probably are like on the mend. You feeling back or no? I feel back training wise, but not racing wise. In the races, I still don't have my legs. I mean. If I compare my legs, like in the first race of the season, I mean, I crashed out there. You can't do anything about that. But just like, or afterwards, it's just, uh, it's just, it's just mad. So it's, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't do anything in a race. It just is easily explode. Well, I mean, the other day though, you had said too that you hadn't done a ton of intensity because it's so early. Yeah. So it's probably that too. You know, it's like, just takes time. I mean, it could be it could be a mix of both. To be fair, so uh, it's just like it's odd because I mean, I know it targets your central nerve system, so that suffers in a way. So if I can compare my training beforehand, training hasn't changed a lot. So it's I'm a, I was a good responder to the efforts and like the volume we did beforehand. So I don't know. It's, it's just it's just a bit odd, but like I'm not gonna take any disease now. Taking I'm not gonna take anything for for granted anymore. Like I mean, I took COVID a bit for granted at times, but after you get hit with, hit with it, you see how serious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, so I I apologize for Scott because he said that he he's having trouble like logging over in. Twitter. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's apparently sending it's sending a code to his old Australian number that he has a French oh, number now. Yeah. Well, tell him. <laughs> just tell him we'll do another one. He can come on. He's trying to come on. I just like, I'm just texting it's him. It's all good. What? Um. <laughs> let me see here. I had some topics of things that we could talk about. And, and do you lift in the gym? That's one thing I was thinking of the other day. Uh, through the winter, I left it. Now, no, because I haven't had, I haven't found the gym yet here. I'm like, I'm, I moved to France, like to my, to the team house of my current team, in, like uh, in February. So it's been a process of settling in. Like you don't speak the language, mm -hmm. etc. So I mostly did like off the bike work, core work, 
my resistance band work and I'm probably just gonna go the cheap way and just buy a few kettlebells because I saw they're like really cheap. Tell me what's so. your resistance band uh, routine and then I'll tell you why I'm asking. Uh, I just, I have it, I, I do what my coach prescripts, uh, prescribes and oh, that's nice. it. <laughs> I have like, yeah, I have, I have written, I can send it to you, but, uh, if I'll, I'll try to open cherry picks on the background. So well, what are some of the exercises? The reason I'm asking you is, so I'm trying to think of where, so I, you know, over the past year, uh, have been rehabbing from this QL injury. And I also think it was just a weak back muscles. And then what I'm actually starting to, uh, and to be fair, this is total self-diagnosis and like anecdotal, but um, I was oh, trying to remember what got me thinking about this. We don't do obviously any lateral movement on the bike. And somehow, yeah. you know, I started looking into some things of like, oh, my, oh, I always confuse these two. My adductor, whichever one's on the inside of your leg, that's one thing that they had done some dry needling on because it was pretty tight. So I was looking up some different exercises, and there's like a horse squat, which is where you have your legs at a much wider stance than normal, and then you put yeah. your toes out and you squat down. And the first time I did it, I was like, whoa, this is more like a stretch than a squat. So I started doing that and I started, I found this website that had some really good adductor and abductor exercises. But at the end of the day, I went down to the gym and I went to a pulley system and I put the like pulley all the way towards the ground, just put my foot through a loop and then did some like leg swings. Very, very lightweight, 10 pounds to start. And I actually think that is really becoming beneficial for, I want to say on the bike simply because it's like a movement that we never do on the bike. And I don't know, I've gone to starting to do something was not jiving with me in heavy weights after a while. And I don't really know what it was, but it's what created my injury last year. And then I just started feeling tired this year. And I was like, well, I'm riding a lot, but I've always ridden a lot. Maybe it's just too much gym work. So I kind of started dialing it back and I felt better. And then I started lifting again and I started feeling tired again. And I was like, huh, I think I'm going to just do like medium and lightweight, like nothing over a hundred pounds and see how that goes. And I've been feeling really freaking good. So it's kind of weird. I don't know. I think, I still think there's really good reasons to do heavyweights, but right now I'm getting back. My bands aren't here. I'm going to get them in a couple weeks, but do some more band work. So I'm basically doing lightweight squats. I'm doing part of my PT is rear foot elevated split squats. I'm doing deadlifts with dumbbells. I'm doing the abductor and adductor exercises. And then I'm doing push-ups, overhead press and high pulls yeah. and yeah, no, I've been enjoying it and being able to do it in like a home gym style. We have a gym here at the condo I can use. I need to figure something out when I go to North Carolina, but I would like to be able to not have to go to a gym all the time, especially during the season when I'm riding a bunch. So, yeah, let me send me your, um, if you don't mind sharing. Actually, uh, actually, I can read it now because I have it open. So I do like just like clamps, glute bridges uh, with both with resistant bands, then an uh, unlateral hip flexion, uh, have also you to blink, monster walks with uh, resistant bands, side steps, and then just I go into a core routine, which is uh, side, uh, side plank dips, press ups, side planks, plank rolls, and plank uh, What's a plank raises. roll? Uh, basically you just rotate from oh, okay. side to side. It's, it's very, it's, it's very grim. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of co-work. I, oh, like, I don't mind doing the gym work. I, the lifting, I just hate the core work. I, I do the core work for my ride to like, I've just made that routine because if I wait until 8 PM at night, I'm just too tired. I'm like, I'm not getting on the floor and doing that. And so I've been making it my like... I, if I don't get to go ride until I do the core work. Now I've been like rushing out the door before. I'm like, damn it, I got to do this five minutes of core and just like blast it out and then it's done. And actually the thing that's been helping me is I've been using graph paper 
And so I just see it sitting yeah. there, and I'm like, shoot, I don't want to miss today. Okay, I guess I'll do it. I'm actually going to color in today right now. Oh, what's today, Wednesday? I already did it. Ride, did it. Oh, man. Um, okay, so that's good. The other thing I was curious about... Um, how often are you doing sprints in training? Not often. Not often, if I'm mm -hmm. honest. Is it just from, uh, like you get most of your sprint work just from like a group ride or racing or will you do any sprints as you get into the season or what's your kind of how's that work i don't even do like too much group rides to be fair if i'm honest i just i if i ride i just like ride sometimes with my roommate or uh, mostly just train alone i just prefer that mm -hmm. way to be fair so i mean don't get me wrong, I think group rides are, are good to develop skills. But, I mean, it could be a bit too much, you know. You can quickly go overboard. overboard yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm just curious about that. Yeah. What else you got? When, when's the next race? Uh, the next race is... On Sunday and then on Monday, I actually crashed out of, of the in the last one, so it wasn't and it was snowing and it was grim. So I'm actually glad that it ended early oh, for me. Dang. Yeah, so it was like the first crash, like massive pileup happened, like 300 meters after the new. Oh start. no! Literally so, right uh, away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like we st uh, so it was hailing like half an hour before the team presentation maybe even less to be fair shame Scott cannot log in now but like he could tell the story because he was in the team car behind in the convoy uh, which race was this? basic uh, it's an elite national in France it was Tour du Charleroi Charleroi yes no, not, not Charleroi like in Belgium it's, I can't pronounce my French isn't that good yet uh, it's anyway it's, it's an elite national race it's an elite national race in France. So text so... me the name later. I'm going to put it in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, and... How was many, was how like many guys at the start line? How many? Uh, I think we only started with 160. In script, it was 185, so 190. So many people. <laughs> yeah, but just like... Just like uh, this is the thing like that shocked me a bit about like coming from Belgium, racing in Belgium the last two years coming to France. The level here is so high that all of these guys can go world tour directly. I kid you not. Like you have I'm racing against like Asia Desert Asia Desert development week in, week out. And like it's it's insane how high I, it's the level high is. level, but hang on. And a second. You, I don't believe that anybody could go world tour. Uh, they can. I can give an example. There was a guy who races for a team like not too far from me. He got signed by Aja Duzer. The first year he raced for them, he got selected for the Walpa, won the, the best climber's jersey. And this year he finished already top 10 in two stage races. So the level is stupidly high. So it's uh, it's pretty insane. That's I mean, awesome. It's going to make you fast. I mean, yeah, you, you get your teeth kicked in a lot. I mean... I was a bit intimidated at first, like when you hear those stories about guys like doing seven watts per kilo for 15 minutes, and then you found out actually those stories are true uh, when you race. But I mean, as strong as they are, you can still like swim among the sharks in a way. So, yeah. Plus, you get better at, I, mean, I think, executing your moves. You know, it's like, I think the first hard race that people you know say somebody gets their cat two in the u.s and they start racing all like ones and twos and they go to their first big race and you're just you're floating amongst everybody and it's just like whoa what the hell is even going on and you get 70th you're just like clueless yeah. as to what's happening and then you keep going and eventually it's like you see the race unfold like you're not going to go in the early break because you're gonna get spit out from the early break you're like you know waiting for you know, I think, 
I just remember trying to survive was like the motto, like just don't get dropped so you're by yourself. And then eventually it's like you're on the right side of the split when 10 guys go off the back and you're not, you're not one of those 10 this time. And then you like make it a little bit farther. And then you, I don't know. I just think on that level, just keep going back and you'll figure out ways to execute moves more efficiently. Um, plus it's when it's so fast and people are so strong, you're wasting so much energy at first. Cause you're not even like, you know, you don't, expect them to go as hard as they're going in certain areas and i think you'll just get better yeah. at seeing that i mean the the thing that like i like struggled with the first few races was it's kind of like i mean i know i don't know if, it, if this is just like a correct anal analogy but they're kind of like kids going into a playground and just like, oh, let's go, let's kill each other, if it makes sense. And it's, and it's just like sometimes uh, hilarious watching them, just like one attack after the other, like for the first three hours. And just, uh, like we did a big national race, uh, GP Saint-Étienne, which is like nearly 3,000 meters of climbing. And uh, the breakaway took like three hours to go. <laughs> That's how crazy wow. it was. Dude. <laughs> yeah. And basically, you do laps of a category one climb. So, like a thirteen k climb, you do just four laps, and then for for the finish, you have an even harder climb. So, was it how far were the lap? How long were the laps? Uh, I think I think the lap. Was, so like we had a, like four? a ten k neutral from the okay. from the center. The the lap was around twenty eight k, I think. Oh, so what is it? Forty five minutes? No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. So was it like just full mayhem on the climb each time and people trying to get away in between? Or how did why did it take so long, you think, for the break to go? I mean... Because it's a big race, number one, it's just like it's one of the biggest races in... Uh, was it one of the biggest races in the, mm. the area for that day? Uh, and uh, 180 guys again? Yeah, it was it, it was a, it was a big field. Uh, so I don't know. Just like it's these races are prestigious, and I mean they're really prestigious and they're really old. So I'm not surprised to see uh, that the turnout is so mm -hmm. big. That's awesome. I wish we had some more of that going on in the U.S. right now, but I don't know. I mean, it might change. You never know. Like you know, like I think eventually, eventually it will. I think there's a lot of haters on road uh, that the road scene does have its oddities, and I think the road scene is not always the most welcoming place. <clears throat> but I think I think I personally don't think gravel will continue. I think everybody will disagree with me on this. I don't think gravel will continue to grow at the rate that it's growing now. I think it's really down the road going to become more of like a cyclocross, like a niche of the niche cycling in the U.S. And I think road will have more of a resurgence. There's still more people on the road. There's still more people with access to roads to ride on than gravel to ride on. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing is a lot of the gravels and, well, it's changing, but geographically in the u.s where it's at it's big drives to some of these races whereas you know i know down in alabama we actually are going to plan to maybe go do a road race down there that just popped up and they're having like a they're getting a cycling association from louisiana and mississippi to help them put this on because they want to start promoting more racing down there and it just takes yeah. the oh we got scott here it just yeah, I was about to say, finally. It took him like half it an hour. It just takes um, <laughs> the right promoter to put on a ton of races and be excited about it. I mean, there's a guy down here um, that does top view sports, and they do a really good job, and they have probably, I want to say, 15 events all year. So, you know, it's you just got to get the right person doing it. But... Um, Hopefully, because I'm, I'm all in on the road, so. I mean, I do think gravel has has a future, personally, because 
I mean, I've been in road cycling since I started. My dad used to race, and it was just like always road mm-hmm. cycling. And uh, it's refreshing for me to know there is something else that I can tap into, maybe in the, in the later stage sure. of the career. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean... Well, that's what it is here in the U.S. All the roadies, they're like, okay, they're just going to go race. They retire, then they become pro gravel racers. <laughs> so it's like the, the, way, the way of the... Uh, I don't know. It's fun. Scotty, how are you doing? Good, thanks. I'm finally here. Sorry for the uh, delay. <laughs> Unfashionable. Hey, man. Better late than never. I actually wasn't here, to be fair. I just... Uh, some technological issues that probably don't reflect my technological capabilities. But, um, yeah, finally made it. Awesome. What have you been up to? Where are you? What's going on? Uh... I, I, so I had actually joined the chat and I did hear you talking about uh, post-COVID sort of like post-viral fatigue, that kind of thing. Um, I'm in France, in Bourg-en-Bresse, where I'm based with um, my team. And yeah, I haven't raced the last, I think I've missed the last three weeks of racing now. Uh, and the way a, fr- a French amateur calendar is not like a UCI calendar. You might race the same amount of race days in the year, but you accumulate them by racing one or two one days almost every week for the whole season oh, wow. um so it's as of, i mean there are still some tours for sure but um yeah so to not race for three weeks that's quite that's that's a lot in the french scene um so yeah i had covid similar time to alex maybe just before uh at the team training camp at the end of january and now it's just been 10 weeks since I've had it and I'm just starting to feel better now. But the funny thing is I was actually able to race for one. I was symptomatic for maybe a bit over a, or about a week. And then I was asymptomatic, uh, was able to start training and started, had to just got thrown into the races and progressively, I would say my ability to recover and everything just declined to the point that I could barely do an hour at 150 watts. Um, yeah, and it's been three weeks of not really being able to train. But then now I feel like I can sort of do it. And actually, like, I was getting so frustrated with it that I just went out and tried to do a max. Well, also, speaking of technological issues, my Wahoo screen doesn't work. So <laughs> the computer reco- records, <laughs> I just have to guess where like at the end of the ride off muscle memory i don't i was like i think i'm pressing stop i think i'm pressing oh pause stop save and then i hope that it uploads and i don't delete the ride <laughs> when you get a new head unit i i don't know well i really want to get a warranty because yeah it's it's not really that old so hopefully hopefully before i start needing to do intervals again but um for the moment, it's honestly not too bad because I'm truly riding by... I mean, I, I do look at numbers a lot, but I don't get too carried away with them. So it doesn't worry me not to ride with it, but as long as I'm just doing endurance. So I think people that hear this, not to sidetrack on this, down a weird uh, side road, but there, people are going to be wondering, so you guys don't get free head units or you can't get like a solid hookup? Like even someone at your level is looking to hopefully get a warranty. I think people will be like, not feel so bad about how much money we spend on cycling stuff if a guy like you is having to do the same thing. I think I mean, the, in the on. yeah in the sorry in the past I have and I think if I was still in Australia then it would be easier. But the fact I'm in Europe and I don't know any distributors or anything mm. in, like I'm a very small fish in a very very big pond when I'm in Europe as opposed to in Australia. I think I got you. It's, it's a lot easier. Well, I know I know somebody at Garmin. If we can switch you over, but if not, uh, oh, happily, happily, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just trying to add, just like I mean, as high as the French scene is, we're still, like you said, uh, small fishes. But I mean, you have some riders who will get on some teams, like I don't know the. Vendiu, which is a feeder team of Total Direct Energy, they get everything, like, I mean, literally everything for free, 
when some teams like you need to purchase a head unit or whatever or power meters like not every team provides you a power meter not every t- team will provide you a head unit because let's say I know they're sponsored with Garmin but in other teams it's more liberal like I don't know someone likes a Brighton they can use one someone likes a Garmin they can use one Some someone likes Wahoo they can use Wahoo so it's just, it just depends I guess and also, I think for me, like having ridden on a continental team before, I would say like the DN1 team, the Division 1 team I went in France has a bigger budget than the continental team I was on. And it's Definitely. And the, and the continental team I was on, for sure, you would get more more equipment, like a head unit and all that. But I'd say like it's sort of, it, it, I wouldn't say it's definitely a step up at all it's just it's very much just a side step it's just you're sort of comparing i think the two the comparison of the two is just like each have stronger points in different areas of course if you're comparing it to say a french continental team then it's different because they pay all their riders the minimum salary in france whereas a continental team in another country like Australia or America, they, there's no minimum wage by the UCI that, that mm-hmm. continental teams have to pay. Mm-hmm. I mean, me, me and you already spoke about this. It's like, I still reckon it's much better being here because just like the, the schedule is so diverse, like every, every race is different. If you remember, like the first race me and you did in uh, Otvar, it was just like rolling pan flat and just like the last few weeks, it, it was just like proper bergs, like 10, 15 minute bergs. So just like, it's, it's really good because the country is so big so that like each one of us gets like a box ticked. So let's say you're a pure climber. You can get like races in, in Alps, like proper, proper hour long climbs. For me, um, I can, for me, it's something in between or I don't know, for a pure sprinter, he can race in like another part of the country. Just like for me, this place is perfect because it ticks multiple boxes for a rider. Yeah, mm. for sure. I would actually say the riding in France rewards just a bike racer. Not like, for me, I would say you don't have to be any particular right. Like, I think a good sprinter can climb good enough on at, at these races. And, like, often it's not a pure climber that wins um, the race because, but they need, like, because you still need to be able to finish it off at the end. Like, it's, or, or if someone's winning solo it's often actually like a bigger, stronger rider. Um, like, I think, uh, and I think that's what you say actually about riders in the amateurs being ready to go to the world tour because I would say this year the file, the files from a power file from anyone in the top 20 is probably harder, not than not than any single race, but because I think the race completely different, but for sure... I'd say the the average average power to win a French amateur race would be higher than an average average power to win a pro race, if that makes sense. Because mm. of the way because of the way they're raced. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can I can get, I can shed light on Saint Etienne. Uh, I mean, I don't know if no, you you weren't there, but your teammates raced. Race. Yeah, but it's just like. My roommate finished fortieth, and on the last climb, he did so like four hours into the race, he did six point three watts per kilo for about ten minutes. So it is, it is pretty, pretty mad. So just, and he got dropped, to be fair. <laughs> and yeah, it is. What, Scott, when you say a bike racer, do you mean that as in just someone who has a, uh, skills all around, more of an all rounder? Absolutely, yeah, an yeah. all rounder for sure. And I think, to be honest, like. Not it depends on the riders in the professionals and how they turn professional, but I would say the rider a rider that those type of riders would uh, assimilate I think easier into the professional peloton and I think actually even the style of the professional racing now is suiting a rider more like that like um, yeah, and, and I don't know whether it's an advancement or change in training or maybe actually also largely attributed to, like, nutrition and the way people are fueling now. They learn, like, mm. I don't know, for example, like, a big guy like Filippo Ganna can climb quite well at a tour like UAE where it's literally panned flat and then he just has to do one effort. Um, I mean, maybe that's not the best example. Um, I can't think of a better example than that. Ben Hermans. Ben Hermans. 
Yeah, like yeah, I'd say he's just a general all round bike rider. Like he can win GC at like Tour of Utah, which is obviously you have to be like basically a pure climber. But then and do insane watts per kilo at altitude for uh, repeated efforts over thirty to thirty minutes to an hour. But then he can also go to like a one day race and still be up there as well. And you know he's relatively quick at, in a finish. I think. I think it's a really it's great to hear you kind of talk about this because it's one thing that I'll talk to amateurs about here in the U.S., especially where we don't have, for the most part, unless you're out west, these really long climbs. It's like if you have no sprint, you're not going to win unless you're by yourself. And if th- there's so many, it's almost like okay, what are all the things you suck at, and let's get rid of those extreme weak links. You know, you still want to double down on some strengths, but you've got to really have a good variety of training because in the U.S. as an amateur, if you're too overly specialized, it's going to be hard to win a bike race. And I think people see pros and they, you know, they see, oh, there's the sprinters. Oh, there's the time trialists. Like the all-arounder sometimes in the pro peloton gets, you know, you see like Gilbert or some of these like just really amazing cyclists, but they're not talked about sometimes as much. And here in the U.S., you have to have a lot of different skills to win a race. And it's just like people want to just do one, be really good at one thing. And I'm like, well, it's, you're going to have to find the exact perfect race for you. And it just doesn't always work out that way. That's virtually impossible to be fair. I mean, if you just look, let's say, Julian Alaphilippe, he's a puncher, but he can climb well and he can sprint mm-hmm. well from a small bunch. So, like, that just shows, like, you need to take multiple boxes. I mean, I've seen Scott race, so, like, he can climb r- really good. But then again, you can also sprint from a small bunch. And, like, you already had, like, a top 10 this year from a small bunch or a podium, wasn't it? So, yeah, I think that's it. Like, you need to find... Uh, I think someone as well in France, I think they love to label what type of rider someone is. And I think it's not even, even in the, in these races, particularly like, yeah, I would definitely agree that it's really only when you make it to the professionals that it's easier to label a rider because there's an expectation of a particular race where everyone in the team rallies behind that leader for a particular parkour because they're the most favoured rider on that team to be able to deliver the result at the end of the race. Uh, and I think before that, if you're riding at any other level, particularly if you're an individual as an amateur, then every race you go to, you're trying to get your best result. So if you only ever do one climbing race, there's no point trying to pigeon yourself to just being a pure climber. Unless, of mm-hmm. course, you're just focused on trying to be a good climber and you don't really care about the results at the majority of the races you do. <laughs> um, but but there's no reason that, like, a pure climber, they can find a way to win. A good example is, like, Ben Dybel. He turned... Prof- he actually raced... In the, he did a stagiaire with Delco when he was racing in france and then it later turned professional from asia uh, racing for a malaysian continental team and with he did a year with um quebec in 2020 and he was like a 60 kilo like six foot climber uh and he would win races solo he would win prologues and he didn't just win he did win up at the top of mountains as well but he, he the way the way he got results was really diverse and he found a way to do it and and for him i think it was he got super aero like he really mm. focused on like when the race was hard he could then was fit enough to attack and then he would be super aero he would run deep wheels he focused on like he obviously he invested in it he had like the no pin skin suit he had super narrow like 34 centimeter bars he was able to efficiently put out power in that low aero position in a road race after three or four hours and that was his way of winning because he didn't have a sprint and not every single race he did had a hour hilltop climb at the finish that's awesome so yeah i think uh i think uh it's okay to pigeonhole yourself if if you're realizing you're doing it and if you particularly if you have enough uh, events that facilitate 
you know, giving you yourself the most, you know, an actual good amount of opportunities to perform. I mean, to be fair, also, like you have to add it here, you still, if, if let's say someone focusing on to become a climber, you still need to target other like important elements because even once you get to the top of the climb, you still have to sprint or whatever. You still have to descend. So like there are more, more boxes to take in becoming a well all-rounded cyclist. It's not just like, I don't know, climbing, riding in the flats. There's also other elements, descending, etc. Exactly. And I mean, often positioning is super important into the bottom of a climb. Um, particularly in Europe where the roads are often narrow and more technical um, and, you know, perhaps there's crosswinds for the, you know, hour leading into the bottom of the climb. So you for sure need to have a decent, well-rounded skill set, even no matter what type of rider you are. Yeah, don't be like me. Don't ride in the back of the bunch. <laughs> Why are you in the belts? Why are you in the back? Uh, <laughs> I'm usually stuck chatting to um, Scott's teammate, to, to two of his teammates, Sander and Stan. <laughs> that, that, that's why. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad habit. If 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 you uh, if you, you you need to not start at the back, then I start at the back sometimes, so I don't enter the race too early, and then I can spend the first hour making my way to the front. Uh, and that keeps myself occupied and then yeah but but just to start in the back and stay there you're i think yeah for sure you're making it harder for yourself you remember you remember the first race like how chaotic it was through the neutral just like they said a 4k neutral and then after 300 meters they let us lose because there was a pile up after 100 meters already yeah exactly <laughs> the, the, the neutrals there's 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 no neutralness about the neutral zones here. That's for sure. <laughs> and actually, also they they call it it's a, a depart fictive. So yeah, depart fictive. Like fic yeah. It's like a fictitious start. So that act when you may, I don't know if the exact if that is the translation to English. It's what it sounds like, and it is a fictitious start because you're not racing, but there is definitely an element of like anxiousness that's the same as in the race. So yeah. You were in the team car, weren't you, on Saturday? Uh, no. no. Oh, you know, okay, so you didn't see, like, basically the neutral was, like, from the start area where you had the pictures. Yeah. And that was, like, one of the most chaotic things, like, I you can ever experience in a French race. And there was just, like, a pile up 300 meters after the start into a downhill while it was snowing. Like, 30 yeah. of us w went down on, down on the ground, myself included. Okay. Yeah, you can't you can't script that kind of thing. No, <laughs> but it's always it's always hilarious when we talk about it because like people like listeners who listen to this don't imagine how like how chaotic this is. It actually looks like when you have a hundred and eighty like guys like trying to fight for the top twenty wheels. Like it's chaotic from the from the front to the back. So it's for sure. I do think, though, because in these races, it's the same people racing each other week in, week out. So I would say that the average bike handling skills is generally really good. And also, I think that there's like I would say I feel quite safe. I would say feel I say I feel safe, safer in the peloton generally here than than uh yeah at some uci races i would say I was, the, yeah the, the bike handling is quite good i was reading an interview from matt holmes who used to ride for madison genesis and so now he's in lotus Sudal. so there's a say that world two riders don't usually like to do those 1.1 events because like, you, you're often racing against uh, conti teams and he also made a statement that, yeah, that he actually doesn't feel safe in a 1.1, like not safe as much as in a World Tour event, like you mentioned, because he's racing those guys, same guys, week in, week out. For sure. I would definitely say that in a World Tour race, then once you get, to, if it's just a strictly a World Tour race, then I would say the bike handling skills is then higher again. I've, although I feel like I've only done... Tour Down Under and Cadell Evans, Great Ocean Road Race, uh, they're both World Tour races. And I'd say there, there are, I mean, they're also at the beginning of the season after the winter. So, but 
I do remember like there's often at those races one or two crashes that should not happen. But yeah, maybe that's just because it's the beginning of the year and people are nervous and yeah. What's what's coming up next for you, Scott? Uh good question. I think uh now so I'm hoping this week I'll actually be able to get in a week of something that would resemble a week of actual training. Um, and then I think actually the following weekend, so the 23rd and 4th, I think that week or the week after I'll start racing again. So, and then there'll be a, like a race each weekend up until the end of May, which will be the Alps, Alps air tour, hopefully, which is sort of was a big goal for mine this season. That's a UCI uh, 2.2. And yeah, so now it's just a rush. It'll be a bit of a rush to see how fit I can get in yeah about six weeks. So oh, that's a good challenge, I guess. Yeah. What do you think? Can you share something? What's how do you map that out when things are going to be a little bit crammed? Are you? Well, how do you view that? I feel like if you're coming back from an injury, then and the injury is fully rehabilitated. Obviously, it depends how long you've had off so i've had three weeks of not complete rest i have ridden my bike but like obviously i'm not going to go no matter what i'm not going to go out and do a huge week this week because um the longer you have off and the you know however the more your volume is reduced overall volume is reduced the longer time you need to build back up to a fuel training load but obviously i have years now of training at a high level that it's easier to ramp it up a bit quicker and I can certainly handle and benefit and respond to it well. Um, the difficulty is like with sort of complications post COVID is there's still quite an unknown, but that probably is something that I am still considering and something I'm kind of willing to take a bit of a risk on because I know in a short period of time to get back to my best that generally I can almost cram train a bit and it can be quite effective for a window of sort of like yes yeah, six to eight weeks but also doing that off the back of like something like having complications with COVID is not so smart so and then it still only takes me till the beginning of June so there's the rest of the season beyond that to consider as well um, and each week there's more or less a race leading up to it. So that will form a large part of the intensity. Um, mm. And on Monday, I did actually do, yeah, I couldn't see the numbers when I was doing it, but I just wrote, wrote up a climb. Um, yeah, and I could still do for, yeah, over 480 watts for like four minutes and like 460 for five. So, um I, f I feel like my I feel like it will come back pretty quick. In yeah, past, it generally has. As long as I'm healthy, then it comes back quick. So, yeah. So if you have a race on the weekend and you have this, uh, you know, you're building up to a big race. You've got these other races on the weekend. Will you? How many other hard rides would you do during the week? I would say if it's just a one, just one one day race. Uh, I might do like, so say the race is Sunday, Saturday, I would do like an hour and a half or two hour pre-race with like, I mean, really it will depend whatever I'm feeling, however I feel like if I don't feel great, I might just ride at like endurance for, um, for two hours or an hour and a half, or I might throw in some efforts, whether I, for me personally, I don't think it makes a big difference. It's just whatever I personally feel like doing on that day. Mm -hmm. So Saturday, a pre-race of an hour and a half to two hours. The day before that, I'd do an hour recovery. And then I would say this is very standard. Like this is not rocket science. I'd say Tuesday, Thursday, I would do some type of intensity. Wednesday would just be like a general endurance ride. Um, so... But obviously as well, the, the fact I'm, I will get one, two, three, I'll get three or four races 
in the next six weeks leading up to this tour. And the way these races are raced, like even if you say you're going to have an easy race, it is just like unavoidably <laughs> hard. So that, like, to be honest, if I could, if I could, I would be happy. If someone said to me, you can only do endurance rides between now, other than the race between now and this tour, it, I, it wouldn't, it wouldn't stress me out. I would be quite confident that I could go there and, and still be decent. But also the nature of the race that I'm going, the Alps is there is, it is very punchy. Um, so for sure I will include some sort of, I guess, intermittent intervals perhaps, uh, or at least some like VO2 work. Um, yeah, but probably I would imagine... Yeah, naturally, maybe I'll probably form some sort of tempo just in the endurance rides just because that's often how I train and feel like I, if I need to get fit hard, quick, then that's probably what I'll do. But I wouldn't, I won't be doing any set tempo efforts. Um, cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, Alex, you got anything else? Not much. I'm just gonna come uh, watch Scott because stage two or three finish is actually in the town I'm staying in. It's in my local area, all, all of the stages. So I'm gonna get to see him race this race. It's the biggest race in the area. We didn't get a start, but it's gonna be ni- it's gonna be nice seeing you race again. <laughs> I mean, I have to say I missed you in the bunch. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to being back. That's for sure. I've got a lot of. It definitely tops up the. Um, not that I really struggle with motivation, but it, I think at this point in the year, there's because of the nature of yeah, the ra- how everyone races every week. I think uh, the mental energy, if you can come in fresh, just ready to hurt yourself, that can count for quite a lot. So that's what, those reserves are definitely uh, running at full capacity at the moment. So yeah, it'll be good to be catch you back at the races soon, hopefully. Yeah, don't drop me, please. <laughs> it sounds like you're dropping yourself by sitting in the back, Alex. <laughs> yeah, oftentimes, oftentimes, I just like I, I try to pick the easy way. I mean, it's there was an analogy like years ago, riders would just sit in the back and they would just go to the front when it's needed. But nowadays, it's just like race from kilometer zero to kilometer one eighty. Like it's race. It doesn't stop. Just you have to be ready for it. Oh man! Well, guys, thanks for swinging through. This is fun. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. I finally, finally got there. <laughs> well, good luck with all the races, guys. We'll uh, catch up with you soon, and hope you have a good rest of the Wednesday. Likewise. Likewise. Cheers. All right. Cheers. See you guys. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.